Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And you know, as we've started off this year, we're, we're talking about moving forward. And I know that there are a lot of areas for which we would all desire forward movement. Most of those areas usually deal with our physical being. We, we want to move forward in our health, our finances, our education, or our relationships. But as followers of Jesus Christ and as disciples of Jesus, one of the areas for which you and I should most covet forward movement is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should desire to be moving forward continually in our relationship with Him. And let me tell you something about salvation. Salvation is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Thank the Lord for His amazing grace. Thank the Lord for saving us. Thank the Lord for delivering us from sin and, and just releasing us into the freedom and the assurance of knowing that forever we'll be with Him. But can I tell you this morning that salvation didn't simply mark an end of your old lifestyle. It didn't just mark the beginning of you existing as a saved person. It should mark the beginning of a new journey for you whereby you are walking with the Lord or wherein you are walking with the Lord and you can mark advances in your life as you're growing deeper in the things of the Lord, you're reaching new levels of spiritual maturity, you're maintaining a deeper intimacy with Christ and you're having a greater revelation of the truths of the kingdom. So today I want to talk to you about moving forward and growing deeper in Christ. Now to provide a background for this message today, I want to look at one of Jesus' many parables that we find in the Gospels. And one of Jesus' most often utilized forms of teaching was to use parables. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with what a parable is, I know most of you are, but the word parable comes from a Greek word that means to put things side by side. In other words, to do a comparison of one thing to another, to find the similarities and the contrast. And in the context of Jesus' teaching, what happens is he takes a spiritual truth and something that would be somewhat uncommon to his hearer, and he will put it beside of a physical experience or physical subject, something that his hearer was very uh, well acquainted with, and he would draw parallels between the two, and using that which they were familiar with, he would explain the things that they were less familiar with. And in, in just regular, everyday, relevant ed, uh, illustrations of everyday life, Jesus expounded the truths of the kingdom in ways that his first century hearers could understand, and they're certainly laid out in ways that you and I can understand as well. But one of eight parables, now there are a lot of parables recorded in the Gospels, but one of eight that are recorded by all three of the synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, you can find that in Matthew 13, Mark 4, um, and I believe Luke chapter 8. But I'm going to read today from Matthew chapter 13, and I want to invite you to jump in there with me at verse 3. And it says this, this is speaking of Jesus here, it says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when they sprang up, when the sun was hot, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says. Then all three of these gospel writers record that at that point, Jesus kind of took a break from his teaching and he pulled aside with his disciples. And they asked him, they inquired of him about his use of parables and why he employed that method of teaching. And the next few verses, you'll see him explaining why he does that. And then, very shortly after that, Jesus gives them a very straightforward explanation of this parable of the sower. And we pick that back up in verse 18. And it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And then he who received the seed, uh, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. But when he received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, I'm not going to take the time this morning to break down the different types of soils that are represented here and recap that because I think Jesus gives us a pretty straightforward explanation here of what's going on in this parable as he's telling about these different scenarios. But I want to note a couple of things here. It's called the parable of the sower. As a matter of fact, Jesus titles this the parable of the sower. I want to tell you a parable about a sower. But we only see the sower and his actions mentioned one time in each of the gospel accounts. All three of the writers record these words and it says, And a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed. And that's the end of it. That's all it says about the sower. The focus of the text here is not on the action of the sower. You follow with me? The balance of this parable is about the interaction between the seed and the soil. This is really, it's the parable of the sower, but it's really about the seed and the soil. The sower in this parable is the spirit-empowered witness or herald of kingdom truths. And the seed is identified in the parable or by Jesus as the word of God, the truth of the kingdom. And the soil represents the hearer. The seed here is sown indiscriminately. And there are no variances given in the type of seed that's sown. No, no variances indicated anywhere in the text. 
the only variables that are given in this text are the soil conditions and the environmental conditions associated with the soil. And I speak to you today as plots of soil. I myself, as it relates to my relationship with the word of the Lord, I stand before you today as a plot of soil. And, and not only are you plots of soil, not only am I a plot of soil, but I believe if we look into this parable today, we can find that not only are there variances given here in this gospel, but we might even find those same variances within our own plot of soil. There are some places where we're hard to the truth. There are some places in our lives where stone, it's a stony ground and the, the soil is shallow and the truth springs up, but as the heat of adversity hits it, it vanishes away. And there are places in our lives where we've allowed too many thorns to spring up and it chokes out what God is trying to do in our lives. And then there are places where it finds good soil. It's strengths and weaknesses. How many of you know that the person next to you probably has some strengths where you're weak and you have some strengths where they're weak? So if I could contextualize this for you this morning in this Sunday morning setting the way that Jesus did for his hearers, I might even say this. A preacher went out to preach and as he preached, the preacher went out to preach, and as he preached, you see, here's the issue, because I want to stop here, for, I'm going to call time out for just a second. See, I've heard this message preached all my life. I have heard the parable of the sower since I was a little boy. And I've always heard the parable of the sower taught as a salvation message. That the sower's going to go out, the preacher's going to go out, and he's going to spread the seed, and, and there's going to be those that just reject the gospel totally, and then there's going to be some that receive it on a shallow basis, but it's going to be short-lived. There's going to be some that will receive it gladly, but they can't let go of the, of the comforts of this life and fully embrace it, and it gets choked out, and then there's the... But the more I begin, to, and, and the reason I emphasize that is because maybe you've heard it that way too, and you can begin to be dismissive of the message. Because if you've ever heard it taught that way, as you hear me reading the parable of the sower this morning, you go, oh yeah, I've already got that. I'll just fix my fingernails or think about what's for lunch or plan next week's work or something. I don't, this is not for me, but it is. You see, oftentimes we've made what, hap what happens in this house on Sunday morning about what the preacher's doing. How was the sermon? Did we like the song? Was it, what was the overall grade of, this, of the presentation? Was it a good service? Was it a bad service? Was it a short service? Was it a long service? Was it, was it really good or really bad? All points in between and we grade it. But I want to tell you something today. What we're doing in this house has little if anything to do with what the preacher's doing and it has everything to do with how the soil is interacting with the seed. Or should I say, how the heart is interacting with the Word. My, my prayer today, 
My prayer today as I've come to this place is God deliver me from the vanity of wanting to preach a good sermon for the sake of somebody saying that I preached a good sermon and God help me to deliver a word that's going to bring about life change and challenge the heart of those that hear it. You see, some, as I said, have interpreted this parable to only represent a concept of salvation, but I want to tell you something. There are several elements in this text that I believe make me believe that Jesus is teaching about one's discipleship and spiritual formation. That this parable is is applicable for you right where you're living right now. Two points in particular stand out to me. Number one is the parable points to the, quote, good soil as being the only place where where the... Seed can find an adequate place to spring up and bear fruit. Well, certainly this is not the fruit of salvation. Because I want to tell you, when Jesus found me, I was not a well-prepared, well-groomed field. I had hardness in my heart. I had places in my life that weren't the way they needed to be. You see, you know, there are so many places in Scripture that we're taught against a salvation of works. Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And see, anyone with an agricultural background would understand that the natural default of land is not for it to just stay well-maintained to receive the seed. I grew up on a farm. You could plow that thing all you wanted to. And all you had to do was leave it be for just a couple of, a few weeks, several months. When you came back, it was overrun with all kinds of weeds. If you leave it to itself, it becomes hard, it becomes fallowed and packed. It's not ready for the seed. You've got to go in there and tear it up again and cultivate it again and and shift some things around and get those weeds out and get the rocks out. Because left to itself, it'll just overrun. You see, Jesus doesn't require any of us to mow the weeds and to chuck out the stones and all those things before we can be saved. It didn't work that way for the thief on the cross. Jesus spoke to him. He's there dying for his transgressions. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Which leads me to my second reason. I don't believe this is all about just salvation, but it's more about discipleship and spiritual formation. And that is the varied results. Now, one of the gospel writers just says, and it it sprang up and it bore fruit. But the other two highlight that it was some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. There's a variance in the way that that fruit is multiplied in the life of the person that receives the word. And you see, Jesus said, we learned that the gift of salvation is the same for everybody. It doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord for 50 years or more. It doesn't matter if you just came to the altar this morning and gave your heart to the Lord. We're all promised to be with Jesus when we leave this world. It's the same. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. To his own twelve that had faithfully followed Jesus, Jesus said to them, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You're going to be with me. 
And in Matthew 20, we learn from the parable of the workers in the vineyard that the reward of salvation is the same for anyone regardless of how long they served. The workers that went out in the field in the morning, the workers that went at midday, the workers that went in the evening, they all received the same wage at the end of the day. They were saved. They were saved. See, I personally believe that the spiritual condition of most believers regardless of how long you've served the Lord, can be characterized in one of these four soil types. And as a matter of fact, you may find places within yourself differences of where you are as your receptivity to the word of the Lord. Now, yes, you're saved. Yes, you love Jesus. Yes, your church attendance and participation may be the model of faithfulness, But our interaction with the Word can be quite varied. Can be quite varied. There are those who hear the faith-building message, who can't make it out the door of the church before they've surrendered the truth in exchange for the lie of the enemy over their lives. Complacency hardens their hearts. They see themselves as completed and perfecting and being in need of nothing. Therefore, they're apathetic towards the principles of the kingdom concerning spiritual growth. They're not willing to look in the mirror and be honest with themselves about their own true spiritual state. And they always believe that the message would have been great for somebody today who needed it worse than they did. Have you ever done that? Just sheepishly slip a hand up right now and confess just been sitting in the house of the Lord going, oh my God, I wish brother so-and-so was here to hear that word today because God knows they need it. We don't ever feel like we necessarily need it. And when that word, when that seed is being sown and that's our thought, Lord, this isn't for me, that's a place in our spirit that's hard. That's a place on the, in, the, in the ground of our lives that is fallowed and it's, it's packed over and it's not receptive to what the Spirit is speaking to us. There are those who hear the Word and they declare that they're going to do better, but because of things in their own lives, things under the surface. Can I tell you, you, you came to church this morning and you felt like you encountered brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and you just... You don't know what you encountered. Because none of us can see beneath the surface. None of us knows the hurt. None of us knows the struggle. None of us knows what the other person is going through. This, I believe, is representative of the stony places. Now, when we talk about stony places, it's not like it was just a sheet of rock that was there. No, it's, it's like there's some ground there, but underneath the ground. Any of you guys, you ever been out in the DIY weekend warrior projects and you're going to do something and you take your shovel and you get ready to stick it in the ground? It looks like just a regular piece of ground to you. But about an inch and a half down, as you've put the full force of your weight on that shovel, you realize that it's not just a regular piece of ground. You find out really quick when you hit something solid that there's a rock under there. This is the type of soil that's being spoken of here. It's it's about like so. 
And the seed can be sown on it, but because the root can't go down and find depth in that soil, when the heat of adversity comes, it withers away quickly. And there's some of us, we've got so much anxiety. We've got so much insecurity. We wrestle and struggle with the feelings of inferiority. We've got those stones in our lives. And when the word of truth comes and says you have been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you, that you are well equipped through the Spirit to do everything that God's calling you to do, you receive that word with gladness. But the first time you see some adversity, the first time trouble pops up on the horizon, that truth begins to wither. Because it can't get past that lie of uncertainty that the devil has breathed into your life until it's become a stony place in your heart. The third place here that Jesus talks about is the place where they sown and, and there's thorns. And Jesus explains these, of course, as being the, the cares of life. He says they, it, the soil, this is not about the soil conditions. It's not about the condition of my heart, but it's about what I'm allowing into my life. These are external factors. Not things from the inside, but the things that press on me, the things that weigh on me from outside. And Jesus says that, this, that, that it sprang up. It was growing, it was flourishing, but the thorns sprang up with it. And it began to choke out that that had been seated there in this soil. I want to tell you something today, church. Listen to me real close. Your career is very important, but it shouldn't be the primary focus of your life. Your family is important, but you shouldn't have to forsake the things of God in order to have family time. You ought to be able to, rather you should encounter the things of God together as a family. It's, it's more important that you exercise your spiritual muscles than it is your physical muscles. Thank God. Whew. I, I felt a release in the house right then. Some of you have been carrying some guilt and anxiety about this whole New Year's resolution thing. I, I just felt it in Jesus' name dissipate right then. Whew. Can I tell you something? It's more important that you know what God's up to than knowing what 1,500 of your virtual friends are up to. More importantly, what they had for dinner. These are, these, these thorns, they're the bad influences. They're the pressures that are brought to bear in our lives. They're the cares of life that are often difficult to manage. And then there's the good soil. These are, these are believers who are diligent to guard their hearts. They cultivate their lives with time in the Word and prayer. They guard their hearts with vigilance. And, and there the seed of the Word takes root and it bears fruit in their lives, but with a varied effect and rate. And you see all throughout this room right now, there are those who in some areas of their lives, the Word has had a tremendous impact. I've got some places in my life that is wide open to the truth. And I'm saying, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
And then I've got some other areas in my life where there's those stones that lie underneath. And I, I want to believe. And that, 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 that word springs up. But as soon as it springs up and you run into adversity, it, it withers away. I've got some hard places. I've got some places where I'm praying and the Holy Spirit is just putting his finger on things in my life and I'm going, shh. You ever, you ever do that? We act like we didn't hear. We, we have prayer lives sometimes in which we suffer from selective hearing. We hear from the Spirit what we want to hear from the Spirit sometimes. And it's because we have fallow ground in our hearts. We don't want to let that truth in. We know that truth is going to transform us. It's going to change us. You see, in summary, I believe that Jesus is speaking to believers and he's encouraging them to cultivate the soil of their hearts in such a way that having heard the word of the Lord, it might bear the fruits of spiritual maturity in their lives. Therefore, the challenge for us as believers is to delight as, to do as the people of Israel were instructed by the prophet Jeremiah who spoke to them, Jeremiah 4.3, and said, Break up your fallowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. You see, many, many equate spiritual growth. We're talking about growing deeper in Christ. And the reason I selected this text today and the reason I feel like the Lord had led me this way is to, is to simply highlight this. Many people think of growing deeper in Christ as knowing more about Christ. I'm going to attend church more regularly. I'm going to attend Bible study. And all that, all that stuff is great. It's great. As a matter of fact, I am probably the biggest advocate of church attendance in this room. Okay? So don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm a huge advocate of attending the Bible study. I'm a huge advocate of reading your Bible and getting in the Word and knowing. But you know, even, the, even Paul says that knowledge alone just puffs up. It doesn't necessarily mature us. It doesn't necessarily move us towards Christ or move us deeper in the things of the Lord. You see, true discipleship is not as much about learning about Jesus as it is learning to be like Jesus. And having an increase in head knowledge of the concepts of truth will not necessarily help you to grow into what you could be in Christ. Listen. If you're stuck at the same place, you've been attending church, you've been reading your Bible, you've been studying, and you say, Pastor, uh, there's no marked growth in my life. I don't know what's going on. I just kind of feel like I'm at a, at a stalemate. I read, I study, I pray, I read, I study, I pray. I focus more on the Lord now than ever before. I want to ask you this. Are you really looking honestly at yourself? Are you looking at the condition of your soil? Is there hardness? Are there stony places? Are you sowing among the thorns? Or is your heart prepared? As we sang this morning, are we, 
really praying, Lord, I surrender. Because you cannot grow deeper in Christ until Christ is permitted to grow deeper in you. Say that again. You cannot grow deeper in Christ until Christ is permitted to grow deeper in you. What I'm saying to you is you can read and you can study and you can pray and you can study some more and read some more after that and memorize. You may be able to quote entire chapters or books of the Bible. But if you're not allowing it into your heart, if you're not allowing it to transform your being from the inside out, if you're not surrendering to God and saying, Lord, get the stones out of my heart, break up the fallow Holy Spirit, put your finger on the fallowed ground of my life and help me to tear it up and make it receptive to the Word so that it affects change in my life, you're not going to grow in Christ. You can't grow deeper in Christ until what Christ is doing in us is given room to flourish and bear fruit in our lives. We can't have an increasing head knowledge of Christ and the concepts of the kingdom but keep Jesus at an arm's length. We've got to be honest. We've got to be honest about the hard places in our heart where we're resisting the change that the Holy Spirit is calling for and, 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 his, and trust Him for what He's revealing in us. We've got to be honest about the stones that we carry beneath the surface that make it difficult for the truth to be sustained in our lives. We've got to be honest about the thorns that we have in our lives that keep springing up and choking out what God is trying to do in us. You know, one of the most irritating things for me as a pastor, I see people sometimes and they say, oh, would you, would you pray for my loved one? Would you pray for my loved one? Would you pray for my loved one? They're out of church. They're backslidden. They need Jesus, whatever the case is. And we pray and we believe. And God answers Next thing I know, I look over and I see the loved one at church. Sad reality is then the family that got them here is so busy for the next three weeks. It's the thorns. Spring up. God's trying to use you to be a witness. God's trying to use you to be an instrument in the life of somebody else, but you've got to cut out the thorns. I hope I'm making sense. See, I'm, I'm not suggesting here this morning that you have to produce your own righteousness, but I am suggesting that you're responsible to tend your own heart to ensure that the seed of the Word can find a fertile place in your life and bear much fruit. Maybe in, maybe in 2019, we need to begin by tending the soil of our hearts and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us places in our hearts that have become hard to the truth of His Word. The places in our hearts where the stones need to be extracted or the place where the thorns have overgrown and are choking out what the Lord is trying to do in our lives. How do you prepare the soil of your heart? You not only ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify those adverse conditions, but you also ask the Holy Spirit to help you get control of those things. You can't do it by yourself. 
but he can do it through you. Ask him to break through the hardened places of your life. Ask him to help you cast out the stones that keep the word of God from finding root in your life and making change and bearing fruit. That's what the centurion did. You ever read that story? The centurion came to Jesus and asked for his son to be healed. And Jesus asked him, do you believe? He said, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. What what he's saying there is, look, I got a little something under the surface here. There's a little stone that's going to keep the truth that you are the God that heals us from bearing fruit. And I I need you to help me extract that stone right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of you need to say, God, I believe that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but you need to help me kick that lie of the adversary that says I'm not enough. I believe I'm victorious, God, but I need you to help me get out a spirit of defeat. Ask him to provide you with some spiritual roundup. My wife is the roundup king, queen. If it grows in our yard and it's not supposed to grow in our yard, watch out. We need some spiritual roundup. We need to say, Lord, I give you my schedule. I give you my agenda. I give you my calendar, God. Direct my steps. Order my life so that there's room in it for what you're trying to accomplish in me. Lord, prepare my heart for everything you want to do in my life this year. Can I tell you about the parable of the sower? To maintain that condition is an ongoing thing. It is not just a one and done. Oh, you'll always dig up the stones here and there. You'll always find that trodden path that's a little fallowed and hard needs to be broken up you'll always find the thorns trying to spring up but you've got to be vigilant you've got to be a vigilant steward you've got to be a vigilant caretaker of what God's entrusted to you say Holy Spirit search me O Lord and know my heart see if there's any unclean thing in me God, is there anything in my heart right now that hinders your work in my life? God, if there is, I I need your help with it. Reveal it to me, Lord. Empower me, strengthen me, oh God, to get rid of it, to get it out of my life so that my life lays before your word as a fertile field. God, I want to see a hundredfold harvest in my life. I want to see a hundredfold harvest in my spiritual walk. I want to see a hundredfold harvest be poured out over my being. And God, I want to position myself to receive. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.